You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What's up, everybody? This is our What's New episode for this day of G- uh, July. Ah, I am starting off awful. We're going to keep this in because this is live episode. This July is what 25th. happens when you take a final and then try to do a live stream, Christian. Exactly. Like his brain cells are gone. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're both chastising me because I, I before we started this, I did confess that I have my mind has been all over the place because of school. I just finished my summer semester with a final today. So yeah, that's that's exactly where my brain is at right now. But we're going to focus on more positive matters. And of course, I say we, because it's not just me, Christian Ashley, your host for tonight for Systematic Ecology. But I have two wonderful guests, one of them a former host. And of course, we still love him completely. Brandon Knight. How are you doing, Brandon? Let's see if I can't fix that. Nope. Can't fix that on my end. So Judy, while we're waiting for to hear Brandon's lovely voice, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for a second real quick? Yeah, sure. What's up, guys? I'm Judy. I am the beloved Joshua's cousin. Um, I get to pop in here and have some fun and talk nerdy things from time to time. So pumped for my first What's New episode, my first live episode. So I will do my best to keep my potty mouth at bay and have some good time. <laughs> That's perfect. And we had that talk to... Uh... <laughs> earlier as well we did we did it's we okay did. we're gonna make this work and we'll see if we can fix things on brandon's end real quick yeah judy we got her introduction brandon would you like to introduce yourself to anyone who may not know you for some reason some awful reason why they wouldn't Whoa. want to know you right well there's plenty of reasons to not want to know me but i used to be a host <laughs> around here um which is what Christian is referring to. I'm Brandon Knight. Used to be an old school host around here. Uh, my avatar was The Invisible Man because that is my favorite uh, horror movie. And I'm currently the host and the only host of the My Seminary Life podcast where I was talking about what I was studying as I was finishing my master's. And now it's just me doing deep dives into subjects that I think are important. You probably may take a seminary class on. Sometimes you might not. And uh, I do swear on occasion, but I will also keep it in check. (laughs) And Brandon is about to be done just what a week or two more of your Bonhoeffer series. Uh, it's going till the end of August. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we've been doing, yeah, we've been going through, Ooh, Judy. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've been going through, uh, writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer this whole summer. Uh, just this past Saturday uh, was my review of his book, Life Together. And two weeks ago, your cousin, Josh, was on to... We did a little comparison study on Bonhoeffer and C.S. Lewis because they both had really important things to say to uh, university students during great times of change. So, yeah. So I just want Josh to know, because I'm sure he's listening, that he's fired fired that first i didn't know you were doing a series on bonhoeffer and second bonhoeffer and lewis fired yeah i officially am not his cousin anymore yeah i mean we'd fire him too if he didn't do all the editing for the show and i'm not gonna be the one to pick up the slack it's okay by the way it's okay by the way, isn't Josh the one on Whole Church who is always like, share it with your cousins? No, it's TJ. TJ is the one who's like, make sure you share the show with your cousins. Yes. Josh. Oh, yeah. And of that course, goes for uh, all of our... <laughs> just to insert himself, Joshua has written to the show. Whoa! Good. Is that the host of my favorite se- my favorite seminary podcast and the cousin of my favorite host? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Don't suck up now. <laughs> Don't suck up now. <laughs> You're on my list. We're, yeah, we're, we're, off, we're off to a wild start. I won't say a bad start because we're never going to have a bad time together here. No, yeah, not, not a perfect start. We we're going to stick the landing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start that by doing our lightning round. And I will go ahead and I'll do our first bit of this to give you some guy. Yeah. Give you guys some time to think once again, sorry. Uh, end of semester brain right here. Not really working well. You know, think good. And I'll bring up that image of Ultraman Blazar. Uh, before I get into that, I know you were on the Ultraman episode for yes, Systematic. Yes, I was. Yes, you were. Yeah. Okay. So you're a big fan. I'm I sure. Am. I am. I do like Ultraman. Yeah. Do you have any familiarity? Okay. That's okay. So yeah, Ultraman yeah. Blazar is out of the 20, 30 some series that are out there that I have watched every single one of them. This is the newest <laughs> one and more special to me. It has a dub for the first time in forever ultraman x just got a dub recently leading up to this release 
And Johnny Youngbush, those of you who are big Power Ranger fans, big anime dubbing fans, mm. he is doing the dubbed voice of our main character here, whose name escapes me because learning new Ultraman character outside of the main Ultraman title himself is kind of hard, especially with 30 some seasons across, you know, right. 50 years thereabouts. 30 seasons? Yes. Yeah. And then some. Jesus have mercy. That's what I want. <laughs> so this one, I think, guys, if you don't know anything about it, I mean, it may for so far be a good introduction to the concept as a whole. Um, it is not connected, as I have seen so far, to any of the other Ultra series from before this. Some are in their own continuities. Some are in alternate universes, stuff like that. So they're probably going to be like the obligatory, like the past Ultraman will show up for maybe an episode or two, like in the middle of the season or something like that, maybe in the finale. But other than that, like Ultraman Blazar has been very fun. I highly recommend it. And let's see. Oh, sorry. We have a note from my friend here. All of his cousins. Dang. I just started with my faves, says Joshua Knoll. Dang. I move that we no longer read Josh's comments because I'm. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there's some way we can block him. Let's see. Oh, uh, block user. There's an option. I can totally do oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, now don't make him too mad because then he really cannot edit things. And I need editing. <laughs> there you go. All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to add for our lightning round? And of course, uh, uh, thank you from the best co host I have in a revolution against Joshua, Elizabeth Pengalang and Clyde. So stop distracting him, Josh. Perfect. I like her already. I don't even know her, but she's on <laughs> Team Judy. I'm here. Okay, Same. bye. <laughs> i'm just kidding i love you we share the same last name it's obligatory Uh, someone salvaged this who wants to go next (laughs) well i have to say so i haven't got to watch it yet but um if anyone who listened to our the last podcast i got to hang out with christian on i'm a huge marvel fan um mcu is like my favorite nerdy thing outside of Harry Potter. And um, I just got done watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2 because I'm getting ready to watch Volume 3. But I have to do so without any interruptions because children are yes. not nice creatures sometimes. And they interrupt me and I don't want to be interrupted. But I'm super pumped to watch the <laughs> new one. I love Star-Lord. I I love the fact that he is literally just a normal guy who's just like made a name for himself, but like leads these guardians across the galaxy and is always triumphant, which is fun. But I also love that he's kind of an emotional canon and just blows his lid sometimes. So I'm just, I'm excited to see the chapter after Gamora is gone. And um, I don't know, I'm just excited. So anybody who's seen it, I don't want any spoilers. Love you too, Josh. Usually um send tiffany my love <laughs> yes uh i'll say three i really enjoyed three and Good. that's all i'll say for I'm your sake i'm so excited i'm so excited uh brandon anything for you um i've been doing i haven't really watched anything very current i did finally start season three of ultraman from netflix um but i'm only like okay. two episodes in um i would say the thing that's probably the most current that I've been watching is I've actually been watching Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur on Disney Plus. It's a kids How Marvel show. Absolutely a kids Marvel show. You know, um, it's one of those where there are a lot of times where I go, oh, yeah, I'm an almost 30 year old white man from the Midwest. This isn't going to connect with me all the time, but. It, it's pretty good. I've liked it. I don't know a lot about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, so they can do anything with these characters, and I will just nod my head and say, okay, yeah, sure. Um, there are some points where it's like, you know, I watched a lot of superhero cartoons when I was a kid, and there are some points where the plots are still the same. There's episodes where she's got a substitute teacher at school who's the villain you know just like a lot some things just don't change even if they are trying to make things more inclusive reach out to different groups who haven't gotten representation previously um it's been it's been good i've liked it it's a good one especially since it's not connected to the mcu at all it's a good one to just put on and you don't have to be like laser focus invested the entire time like my kid can play. I can make breakfast, get ready, sit down and watch a few, you know, a few minutes. It's a, it's pretty good. OK, because I've read a couple of the old Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur from the 70s uh, comics. It's nothing like out of this world spectacular. It's fine. And of course, Moon Girl is what 
was typically happening around the time is that you know we, we introduced a female thor and jane foster and mm. uh we get uh, iron heart to follow after tony stark and stuff like that so okay i wasn't really big on her from what i've read uh, to be fit to be fair to her though my introduction to her was a marvel zombie spinoff where oh. <laughs> uh, essentially what happened is she was still around and devil dinosaur was gone and she had ptsd so because of that she allowed the other marvel heroes to die and that's not exactly going to help you like someone in that no. regard <laughs> so yeah uh, as far as this kid show is concerned, isn't like the Beyonder supposed to be like the main villain or something like that? I think I saw that somewhere. The Beyonder is the narrator and oh. she does battle the Beyonder in an episode. Um, mm. But yeah, he's actually like the narrator who fills in all, all the gaps on who the villains are. OK, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty different with that part. Do you think of like setting up like a secret wars for her or something like that? Like, kind of like what they did in the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s? Or is that just oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Occasionally they do reference stuff. Uh, the Avengers shield um, symbiote like they'll it's kind of like a throwaway line. Like they'll say something like that. But I don't know if they're setting up anything big with this. Okay, Interesting. Yeah, that's something I have to check out because, like I said, I, I wasn't really partial partial to her in other comics besides that mm -hmm. first introduction but yeah it's fine if someone can get into that and that's their introduction to marvel have at it sure like i'm all for the people being introduced in various ways than how i was mm -hmm. as long as they get there they find their character they love yeah absolutely that's what i love about marvel is there are so many different storylines so many diverse characters that i f i feel like even if you're not like a nerd like nerdy thing lover like we are like if you don't enjoy the sci-fi and the and the mystery of it you will you will find something that you like like there's something for you to identify with and enjoy watching or enjoy reading um i don't know i love the marvel universe it's so much fun <laughs> All right, now I'll go to my second for the lightning round uh which is my adventures with superman which I have seen four episodes so far. I don't know if the fifth one's released yet or not. And I got to say, I'm really digging it. It's especially since they've said like, hey, this is a reimagining of the concept. We're not trying to like show you Superman as the comics would show you. Like that helps me as someone who's a purist when they change certain <laughs> things. Be like, OK, I can accept that and move on with my life because this is an alternate reality Superman. And uh, I've like our core cast of characters here with Clark and Jimmy and Lois, and they're not starting off as where they're all super reporters. This is them. They're all interns and it's them like oh. earning the right to be able to go out there and bring the news to people. So you've got Lois as you kind of your plucky girl there. Jimmy is you a bit of a conspiracy theorist and Clark is like the sane man in the midst of the cast trying to like make sure everyone doesn't get themselves murdered. <laughs> nice. And I, I really enjoy it. I don't think, it, but it looks to see none of you have seen it either by this point in time. Not yet. Is it more adult animation cartoon or? Well, some of it is airing on Adult Swim. But like, well, I was about to say Adult Swim usually tells me that that's a kid free television time. Yeah. I say outside of maybe I heard some language one point in time and some violence, but like there was plenty of violence in the Superman, the animated series. I haven't like seen blood or anything like that. Okay. I can recall. So it's like it, nowhere near the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, absolutely. Not. Okay. Got it. I love the Harley Quinn cartoon, but I was trying but. to. <laughs> yes. But. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a ton of fun. We just had an episode where like they show Lois is not just an idiot. Like she's like putting the signs together, trying to figure out who Superman is. And it looks like she may have come to the realization, but like that was our cliffhanger for the last episode. So it's resolved somehow or she gets tricked some way in your classic comics faction. We don't know. I kind of hope she commits to the bit and actually learns it's Clark because the way they've shipped these two together in this show is some of the dorkiest and most fun they've ever been as a couple in quite some time. And I really enjoy that. Right. I'll have right. to check that out. I don't have Max right now, but when I get around to it, got it. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to your lightning round? Not that again, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a full-time seminary student. I work a full-time job. Like watching TV just 
is a very rare beauty of a moment. But I have also <laughs> have tagged, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, of Solar Opposites. Oh, yeah, that was a Hulu okay. thing, wasn't it? Yes. And so I I have had it on my watch list for I don't want to admit how long, um, but they're getting ready to come out with a new season next month. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to like binge watch everything. But I have a few friends that are like, you have to watch it. It's so funny. It's just I said it reminds me of the alien off of American Dad. What's his name? Um, Roger. Oh. Yes, thank you. Kind of reminds me of like that line of humor, like trying to fit in um, in America. And it's just, it's great. So anybody who's seen it, like feel free to give me a comment and encourage me to finally watch these episodes. But (laughs) it's going to be awesome. New season coming out soon. Hold on, check it out. Okay, Brandon. So my wife watches The Bachelor. So I kind of watch it with her. And the new season (laughs) of The Bachelorette just started a few weeks ago but before the bachelorette comes on (laughs) there's another game show that comes on or a reality show like called claim to fame and this is okay so it's hosted by kevin and frankie jonas okay so kevin of the jonas brothers and the youngest brother who wasn't a part of the band and on the game show it's a bunch of people normal people who are related to celebrities in different ways. So the grant, the, you know, like the daughter of, or no, what was it? It was the niece of Tom Hanks was on there. Um, <laughs> a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids. And yeah. the contestants are all trying to figure out the identity of everybody's mystery celebrity person. And it starts off the first night with like two truths and a lie, essentially, of my celebrity relative is my dad, who was an athlete and highest award was a NFL championship ring or, you know, something like that. So it's a lot of fun. Um, We don't do a lot. I know. I know. I just said Bachelorette and Bachelor (laughs) as well. But um, Outside of that and claim to fame, we don't do a lot of reality shows. That's not usually how we spend a lot of our times. But there's something like fun and also almost wholesome about claim to fame by <laughs> reality show standards. And as people at home, you don't know who everybody's celebrity relative is either. So you're it's kind of this fun of like f- trying to figure it out along the way. So that's a kind of that sound like fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. no lie. I, I'm really glad that's where we landed because I was <laughs> I really the setup was better. So hard. <laughs> I'm for it. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. If I get on board. Blame Claire, not him. I mean, he's the one that he's just being supportive. Podcast, not okay, her. I'm being supportive. She sat down and watched WWE with me willingly. So I sat down to watch watch Bachelorette with her willingly. You know, there you go. part All of right. marriage being All a partnership. Right. Yes, that's right. There you go. All right. Well, that's our lightning round, which uh, went on way longer than it normally does. You know what? I don't care because that was fun. And we do whatever we want here when I'm in charge. All right. So next up, I'm going to start our main topics of discussion today by going over to good old Jujutsu Kaisen season two. Now, before I go into there and explain the concept, uh, do either of you know what this is? No, I don't. I was going to ask, is this like the cool, really popular one right now in the anime world? Kind of like a f- few years ago when everyone was obsessed with My Hero Academia. Most popular, no, but like definitely up there. Okay. And Judy, I'm guessing the answer is no for you as well. No. Now you said My Hero Academia and like Demon Slayer. Like now I've got I've got some reference points because I do have a 12 year old son who is also <laughs> a nerd. So those I get this. I'm out. Okay, okay. I'm excited. Anyway, that's yeah. fair. So, uh, our basic concept for the series is that, of course, we're in Japan. Imagine that, and there are these entities known as cursed spirits and people who can wield cursed energy, and that is essentially their magic system for the world. And you've got your people using it for good, some people using it for ill, and some people are trying to exercise the spirit. Some t- who are trying to take advantage of them and like you know, wreak havoc on humanity and all that. Your standard shonen stuff shonen for those who don't know it's like young boy from you're typically between like 8 to 17 18 kind of range some people narrow that a little bit more i make it a little wider for the context of this argument and we have our main character yuji who is 
just a guy who's a little more capable physically than other people for some strange reason. We, we found out in the manga. I'm not going to focus too much on that because, you know, I know some people aren't caught up and this is not manga mustard where we would do that. So there's that. And he eventually ends up finding this sacred artifact, which is the finger of an ent entity known as Ryoman Sukuna. And Sukuna had multiple arms and multiple fingers. And part of our little MacGuffin grabbing session here is more the more fingers you acquire, the more power you have, but also the higher chance that Sakuna can uh, possess you. Okay, wait, hold so, on. I just need a moment of clarity. Uh, you yeah, need, go, like, go for it. Like, yes, uh, and like it doesn't fingers. help. Yeah, yeah. We're just it, walking around, carrying around a bunch of detached, dead fingers. Well, some people are. Some people, like Yuji, in the heat of the battle, decide to swallow it to prevent someone from taking advantage of it. Which makes things a lot worse for him and everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'll give him this. It is different. I'm very it is different. I'm very stressed about his storyline. So he I'm meets a, a jujutsu student, which jujutsu is another way of saying their magic system. And okay. uh, and his teacher, we have Megami the student and Gojo the uh, mysterious blindfold wearing person he can actually see but he keeps a, you know he looks cooler with the blindfold on <laughs> kind of mystique and two of them like him like being given the opportunity to go to school uh, learn about his newfound powers that he just gained because he swallowed Sakuna's finger and they're preventing Sakuna from being resurrected which is one of the goals why some people want to seek the fingers out because back in the day he used to be like the guy who was like leading devastation against humanity and letting cursed spirits be on the rise. And some people want to join up with that and be given roles in that kingdom. Some people want to try and see if they can take over his power for their own, all this mess. And we get at this point in season two, we're in a flashback to where Gojo is the student and he is with someone that we know is now kind of messed up in that side, but he is on the side of good at this point in time. So it's that, uh, I know what happens, obviously, in the manga. We're only so many episodes in, so I'm not going to spoil that for everyone else. But they were supposed to, and I'll get to my question in a second, after mm -hmm. I get all this set up out of the way. They're supposed to guard this woman who is known as the Star Vessel, if I remember correctly. And her job is they have this system in place in Jujutsu society for people in the know where they are protected so long as they keep this one guy named Tingen alive. And part of what is done there is they give every now and then a sacrifice to him that keeps uh, their buildings, uh, their schools being protected and gives them with a little more power than they would normally have. And their job is to protect her. And we just got to the end of the last episode where she was assassinated by uh, a kind of a rogue sorcerer in this extent. So my question to all of you is that can we ever enable a system where we benefit from the loss of a single person? Can we end? Okay. <clears throat> okay. I'm still, I'm still processing a lot I have of that. Some, Yeah, I have some clarity. Yeah. I have some clarifying questions. Okay. Yeah, hold on one second. Okay. Uh, apparently, Josh said something about loving that show. Can't remember which one it was. This was almost 10 minutes ago. I Sorry, I didn't see that. So good for you for loving that show, Josh. Did we just unintentionally ignore Josh? Because that makes the, Yeah, that was... Yeah. I was mid-explanation. I'm start, starting to get my second intellectual perfect. wind for describing something I like. Perfect. <laughs> well done. So proud of you. Strong work. Okay, so clarify, clarifying question number one. Are we talking about like creating a, a system, enabling a system that regularly benefits from a like consistent like sacrificial lamb? Or are we talking about like an instance? Where we're yeah. eliminating one person. Okay. Like, so, situational, or are we talking like in habitual? This specific, yes. uh, specific situation, this has been done multiple times before. But we could argue, like, is it good enough to be done once? Is it good enough to be done several times? Should it be done at all? So I want to mm -hmm. hear what you have to say on that. Well, something about the habitual, like, we have to do this frequently part, that feels like a very hard no for me. Um, this system reminds me a lot of the punchline of um, Watchmen Ooh. when you get around to the end of Watchmen and you, I don't want to spoil anything. You know, I don't want to spoil a story that's been out since the eighties. 40 years old. Um, <laughs> but uh, If you don't you know, know the end of Watchmen by now, you're not trying. You're not trying or you. Yeah. Um, which just got announced at San Diego. They're making an animated yes. film version. Um, and yeah, you find out at the end. Worried. I think uh, I'm just hoping the art looks good, but you find you out go. at the end, 
Ozymandias has this uh, intergalactic weapon that he is going to use to destroy part of New York in order to bring about world peace. And it seemingly works. And then they flesh that out more in the very well-made HBO Watchmen series. Mm. Um, So that's where my brain goes of this like one and done. Can we sacrifice not necessarily one person in the case of Watchmen? It was like part of New York that blew up. Um, But can we do that one time in order to guarantee the safety of others? So maybe the you were in an ethics class. (laughs) If this is where your head's at. Yes. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before I get into this? Yeah. So um, it's funny. So I think I, I'm whenever I'm piddling around the house, I like to rewatch all of my shows that I really like. So right now I'm in the middle of rewatching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. And so I think about how um, like Jia Ying, like for those who don't know. So mm-hmm. Sky, one of the main characters, um, her mom um ends up being the leader of this colony of inhumans is what they call them so they in their dna is there is this um like power that is waiting to be released they go through this process they change and now suddenly like they come out on the other side with some sort of like superpower whatever that looks like not in a traditional sense as we would usually associate a superpower um like it was funny when you're talking about the blindfold, I was thinking about Gordon, whose like eyes are shut, but like he can see everything um, or like covered up with skin now. But, you know, I think about at the end of that season where um, spoiler alert for anybody who is anticipating watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like turn, plug your ears. Um, Sky's father ends up killing Sky's mother because she she is on the brink of starting a war that will ravage everything they know um it will you know create an imbalance between humans and inhumans it it's just it's just a recipe for disaster and so in that moment he makes the hard decision sky is obviously prepared to make it you can tell by her actions leading up to the point but her dad steps in and says, no, I, let me do it. I, I want to live. I want to be the one who lives with this. And so when I think about situations like that, see, even my dog agrees. <laughs> um, when you think about situations like that in that specific storyline, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not going through here, like, like slicing people up as a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. But are there, are there moments where someone has to make the hard choice that says, this is the core of the threat. This person mm-hmm. is is the one that's, you know, kind of kind of creating the cohesion between all of the tension that's happening by eliminating that person. Do we break that cohesion? Do we do we eliminate the threat and protect all the others? Yeah. Do I want to be the person making those calls? No. Could I? Probably not. If it didn't have to do with like my children. I don't know that I can make tough calls like that. So not only do I think it's situational, but I think now we now we're talking about like fate, destiny, divine intervention, wh- whatever you choose to call it. I think that not only are those moments situational, but it's there are people who are wired <laughs> to be able to separate True. the emotions in that situation to be able to make the hard decision. I'm with Brandon though. Any habitual sacrifice of a person <laughs> or even like, you know, taking out half of New York in the Watchmen. I don't know. I have a hard time with that. Now, if, you know, there were a bunch of really awful people taking over New York and there was just like no better option. Again, I'm glad I'm not the general with that power. But, you know, mm-hmm. I can under I can understand how some folks can justify those types of decisions in those storylines, in those situations. Just glad it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) True. Fair enough. Uh, You both bring up some really great points. And one of those great points is that, Brandon, I was in a biblical ethics class until (laughs) earlier today. And this is very fascinating to me, that concept, because guess what? Uh, We kind of live under the same premise in that Mm. there was one person Mm -hmm. who made the ultimate sacrifice. Listen, that'll preach. And... (laughs) Without that, there is no hope for salvation. And we can argue all day over what actual salvation is. That's not why we're here. That's another question for a separate episode. But because of that, we are able to be better than ourselves. We're able to repent of our sins, turn to him. Mm -hmm. 
go to him instead because he made a sacrifice. However, he made that sacrifice on his own, knowing what was going to happen for the benefit of everyone in the show. And I deliberately withheld this information for right now. Uh, Rico, the star vessel girl, they're going to be sacrificing, thinks she's going to be assimilated into Tingen, the one source where, who is providing all these benefits to everyone. Oh, but what she doesn't know is that she's been lied to and she's just going to become part of him and cease to exist, essentially. That's kind of like in here's an old one for you. All. It's kind of like in Logan's run where mm. they think that they're becoming a part of like whatever celestial being they agree with. But no, they're just basically euthanizing people. Yes. After a certain very, age. After a certain age. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So I, I look and obviously animals to humans, just not a one to one, in my opinion. I'm not sure his greatest advocate here in the old covenant system we had is multiple times a year multiple animals had to be sacrificed to cover my sins, my family's sins, the sins of everyone around me. And then we have Jesus doing it once and for all of his own choice. Now, in this specific scenario, not involving, you know, sure, she's a willing sacrifice, but she's being lied to. And she doesn't understand the totality of what she's agreeing to, thinking it is ultimately, you could argue, for everyone's benefit. But at the end of the day, is that worth one young woman who doesn't deserve this to happen to her just to protect other people. Mm -hmm. I, I, in that regard would say, no, we can't ever let a system like this collapse. And if bad things happen as a result of that, I'm okay with that. Uh, even though like untold devastation would be there, like uh, morally and ethically, I cannot ever agree to that comment. Uh, I can't remember what it is. It's like, there's a short story I read in college. It's like the ones on a road to a mail list or something like that. And the, the premise is that there's this utopia. And there's a utopia in the city because there is one person in that city who everything is thrown upon them. All the evils of the world and society and the sins are on them. Everyone else can live perfectly fine, but not them. And I can't ever live in a system uh, presuming that, you know, in a sense of salvation, people are going to deny Christ. That's an eventuality. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you can argue, well, I'm benefiting in a system where someone else isn't uh, based on my views of hell and heaven and stuff like that. But that person also had a choice at the end of the day versus someone this is forced upon them or they're being lied to. So that's where I come into this. Interesting. So I think you bring up an interesting point too, because there is a very significant difference between a someone being a threat, someone being the cause of the destruction and shoot, having to make the hard choice to say eliminating that threat is the best for the greater good. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a whole nother segment here where like our theological reference to salvation, choosing to take that cup and to, and to sacrifice, um, you know, that Jesus would take our place so that, that he would be the lamb of God um, is a very different situation, but I feel like in your show and uh, mind you, I'm coming in blind, right? Like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> But yes. she, omission is betrayal. If mm. she's not being told, if if it's if the narrative is being shaped so that it, she doesn't really know, like the like the outcome of what she's about to face, if she's being lied to and led into this, not realizing what it means for her, that's a very that to me is like that that's it's a gonna, category that yeah. doesn't doesn't have any justification. Now, if she so choose, you know, like if she was willing, you know, <laughs> like um, what's what's that cheesy, truly Hunger Games? I volunteer as yeah. tribute. Like, yes, yes. You know, that, that's a big like, difference you know, between that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, no offense. I did like the books. I wasn't a good big fan of the movies, but I did like the books. Um, but, you know, you, you think about those, <laughs> you know, those storylines, but how often do we see where someone's like, no, I know the risk and I'm going to take it, you know? And so, so like, yeah. it really does make for a good story, but there's just this very evil, yeah. <laughs> evil tone to it when you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be great. Come right on in. Like, no, it's not. Ah. And just, and just to refresh, they, they're making this sacrifice to prevent a greater evil, right? Which, which I yes. get, but I still feel like, 
No, I agree with you because now we have the good people committing an evil to prevent yeah. evil. Yes. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Two wrongs don't yeah, make a right. I, I feel Correct. like I feel like if this has been a habitual thing, right? Like this is something that they're doing every mm-hmm. so often, whatever that time frame looks like, that people know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, families are passing these stories down. Like I don't know. There's got to be a better way than lying to folks and be like, oh yeah. You would hope. Yes. You know. Yeah. There's no easy answer to this outside of, I mean, obviously morally, I'm that's where I'm coming from. And a society like this, it, it, with this system being breaking, uh, broken down, like if this were not to happen, bad things would happen. It, but at the end of the day, is it worth having that system in place so that most can benefit versus everyone being on equal footing in that regard? And I would say ultimately, no, this is not good because we're sacrificing people for the wrong reasons of making myself feel good versus mm-hmm. protecting other people like I should be doing anyway with my job in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. So uh, another part of this, not to stay too long on this subject, oh, I'm very grateful for the conversation we had there. I was really <laughs> well done by everyone, uh, is Gojo and his friend Ghetto at this point in time, they're both students. They're protecting this girl. Uh, unfortunately, she dies in the midst of them trying to protect her. But we start with Gojo being kind of the person who's a bit more might makes right you know, I'm the strongest person in this world, which essentially he is for the most part, because he's got a very broken technique to where he can create infinity between you and him. So you can never actually touch him. And so, of That's course, cool. you, you you get raised in that situation like, oh, well, I'm just better than you. So therefore, I can make the rules versus his friend Ghetto, who at this point in time is a little softer. And it's like, hey, can you see things from their point of view and stuff like that? But due to the circumstances that happen here, their roles kind of reverse. And my question is, is what is it about tragedy? that can sometimes make us learn better than through other means. And I say sometimes because mm. that's a very terrible thing to say. Tragedy is always the greatest teacher. I feel like as all seminary students, we read lots of books and I could not for the life of you tell me which book or who wrote it. Cause there's just too many. Um, but I yes. do remember a, um, uh, like a, an illustration that was used in a book about how, you know, when grief comes, because grief is a natural product of tragedy um, and, and, and many other things, but in this instance, right, if we're talking about tragedy and the lessons that we learn from them, it's that, some, you know, sometimes when the picture is whole, we don't get to see all the detail. But when, the, when it breaks and it's time for us to put it back together, suddenly we're paying more attention. We're looking at the details of the piece that we're putting back together. Like when you're looking at the picture of a puzzle, you know that you go to Walmart, you get a puzzle. My grandma loves to do them, so we get them a lot, and we'll take them over to her. And you're looking at the picture, and you're like, "Oh, that's really pretty." And then you get all thousand pieces out on the table, and suddenly now you're looking at the smallest speck of orange to see where it matches to the next piece. And so, in that illustration, to me, I, I just it, it hit home kind of when it, when we're talking about tragedy and our response to tragedy, and 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 what what growth can come from it, because I think that. There's a lot of value in that, that sometimes, sometimes we get so caught up and, you know, things are going good and we're rolling and we're going through the motions that I think sometimes when we, when we get stopped at a halt because of that tragedy, even though it's painful and even though grief can be incredibly overwhelming, I also think it gives us an opportunity to like really pay attention to really like see things in a different way and and see details maybe we didn't notice before and recognize people who are supporting us that we didn't even realize were so that we we were we held so dear or we considered like you know their friendship as valuable as we did prior to the tragedy. I mean we can name lots of examples, but I, I do think that a different light shines after tragedy comes. And if we allow it, it gives us an opportunity to really see things differently in that light. Right. Yeah, so this past Sunday, I was preaching at a church on Genesis 32, which is the famous Jacob wrestles with a spiritual being, supernatural being. You, It gets that's very debated. It, that's a big part of the sermon is wrestling that part out, but that's pun intended. That, but that's not where I'm going with this. The big like punchline of the story that I was trying to drive home is why was Jacob blessed? Was he blessed because he won? Because he kind of did. Even the supernatural being kind of like cheats and pops his hip out of socket. And that's still like he's holding on for dear life. Like, and I, 
I pointed out that that's like a very American understanding of this passage of like, <laughs> we, you're blessed because you succeeded. You're, you're yeah. blessed because you name it's it and glorious. claim it. Right. Yeah. But what we actually see is that Jacob is blessed because he's at the end of himself. He is absolutely desperate and has to cling to this person in order to be blessed to know that in the morning Esau is not going to wipe him off the face of this earth. And through that story and other places in scripture, I've been just really trying to understand better how we, we truly grow in humility, in humility. It's when that it's in that posture of humility that we finally, we cling to God. Because that is what Christianity is. It's an absolute surrender to Jesus. Like we cannot, it is admitting I'm not good enough. I can't do this on my own. Bringing it now to this tragedy aspect, although we shouldn't necessarily go looking for tragedy. It's just, it just happens in life. I think part of how we get to that point, as you were saying, Judy, about looking at the puzzle piece with the tiny bit of orange to try and make it all fit together is that moments of tragedy can be very humbling you know grief is again grief isn't something that we necessarily want to celebrate but we still process it and it's a posture of humility that i think it brings us to where we have to cling to god and from that we can grow through tragedy again understanding that like you shouldn't go looking for it i i have depression i have anxiety so i'm not going to wish that upon anybody but I think that's part of the formula here. I think that's part of how this works of us growing through tragedy is the posture of humility that it puts us in. Well, and I think you you really made, um, no, grief isn't something that we celebrate, but it is something we have to honor. Yeah, mm. grief. I agree with that. Grief is just, it's here. It's mm. inevitable. I, it, it comes in a lot of different forms and sometimes we pack it up and we put it aside and we disassociate, you know, we detach mm-hmm. from it and we try not to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is grief in life, regardless of mm-hmm. what we do. We lost a job. We lose a person. We lose a church. Um, you know, I'm, I'm UMC. We're smack dab in the middle of a nasty divorce. Um, and I didn't realize it until you know, things had kind of settled down and I'm getting ready to start at a new church. And, and I just thought, you know, these last, I kind of took like a four week sabbatical sort of between former church mm-hmm. and this church, because former church is disaffiliating and going their own way. And I'm moving mm-hmm. to a church that's staying in the United Methodist church. And it wasn't until I removed myself that I'm like, man, like this is, this is hard. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is much more impactful than I realized until I'd removed myself but in that grief, I've also found like kind of a, a, a refreshing of my love for the United Methodist Church and that yeah. how many people have em- embraced me and know that I kind of feel stuck in the middle because I have people that I love on both sides. Um, but I said all that to say, like, I, I still feel like I have to honor that grief because that grief is here because of love. It's it's not grief if I didn't lose something that I cared about or love or appreciate or value. And, you know, and in tragedy, it's tragedy because we lost something we really, really love a lot. <laughs> and so I think that the magnitude of tragedy kind of matches the magnitude of grief. But if if we have, you know, a, a good support network around us and and we allow ourselves to really be submissive to the ministry of the spirit we can allow that honoring that grief to lead to healing of the same magnitude. Um, I don't know. Just a thought. It's always nice <laughs> to just sit back and let other people speak for a bit and hear them. Cause I think that's what we've really done well tonight <laughs> as I really appreciate that. Uh, I go, I completely in that regard of grief is something we, we try to avoid, mm-hmm. but it's something we also need to embrace after a certain point in time. Like my, my grandfather would die when I was about 15 and he and I were two, we're the same person sometimes. And losing him was like losing really essentially part of myself. And I had never had anyone. I had people in my family die, but I wasn't close to them before. And the yeah. same way that was to him. 
And I had that point. No one in my life had ever told me, you know, no real man ever uh, uh, doesn't cry. Uh, Excuse me. No real man. How do I want to word this? A real man doesn't cry. No one ever said that to me in my life. Not once. My dad will cry when he, you know, something upsets Mm. him. My mother will cry when something upsets her. I've always been raised to like, it's okay to do this. But me, I have that sense of I can't do this. I have to be a man and do this. Once again, I don't know where I got that Mm. from, but it existed. And I came to that point where I realized I'm not crying over this man's death. And I feel this immense sorrow and I am in the wrong for not crying. Mm. And that taught me how to handle grief, how to like love someone, even when they're no longer here, how to help other people, which this has been amazing in that sense that I can go to someone else who's lost someone that they love deeply spouse, friend, uh, family member, what have you, and say, Hey, like maybe we don't have a one-to-one, the same situation, but I understand losing someone who used to be one of the most important people in your life. And I've been able to use that there, but that's not the only way I've ever learned to go to the question. Like, I mean, what inspired me to learn more about the Bible was me reading through, it was one of the gospels. And I want to say it was in Luke and seeing uh, the point of Satan tempting Jesus in the desert and realizing that Satan knew more about scripture than I did. Mm -hmm. And as a 12 year old child, that really ticked me off. So like, it wasn't grief that inspired me to learn more about scripture. It was, oh no, my enemy knows more than me. Let me Mm. do better in this regard. Like, if that's all I've learned, say you can only really truly learn through grief and tragedy. It's like, you live in some comic book world where, you know, we have to have Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy die. And, you know, uh, all these terrible things have to happen. Like, I have to learn that I'm a mutant. My entire family is killed, but he's mutant hating people just for things to come out here. Like, we get in the comics and I have this quote. It's from a daredevil run. It's from uh, one of Mark Wade's. And he's talking to someone who is uh, allying with the Punisher. And she says, you know what gives me strength? The loss. We're like that way, I imagine. Admit it. Nobody who's a stranger to that particular pain could ever be as driven as us. And Daredevil kind of like looks her in the eye and like throws the staff at her, barely missing her and says, never. Don't you ever say that to me again. That is a repellent statement. It is a vomitous insult to every cop, every fireman, every soldier alive who steps up to fight for those who can't. I am sorry for your loss, but if you genuinely believe that only the death of a loved one can motivate a human being to take up a cause, then get your pathetic, cynical self out of my way so I can do my job. Yeah, Mark and, Wade definitely wrote that. Damn. Yeah, that sounds like him. And <laughs> love, really? love that guy. That hits me. Yeah, it's like, because we, really we get to that point sometimes of, oh, well, I can only experience this truly if I've gone through it myself. But no, like I can comfort someone who has, I've never gone through something like that with them. Like, I won't understand completely, mind you, mm-hmm. but I can still reach out my hand and say, hey, let's hang out together or let's give you time to talk and I'll listen. So that's a really common misconception, I think, for a lot of folks, especially from like a Christian standpoint, that we feel like if if someone is experiencing something that we haven't gone through or that we really don't know anything about, like we want to like, oh, well, I can't, there's nothing I can really do to comfort them. And then on the other side, we're like, oh, well, I've lost someone too. I know exactly how they feel. Like, no, you probably don't. Yeah. Um, comfort isn't about like being able to identify their emotions mm-hmm. or like it truly is just about being present in the moment and saying like, man, that really sucks a lot. Like, I know <laughs> that you are hurting. I can't, I, there, I, there's nothing I can do to fix it. And I know that, but. I'm going to grab some groceries and come cook you dinner and mm-hmm. you're going to go chill out on the couch with a fuzzy blanket that I bring and, um, you know, watch, you know, queue up gardens of the galaxy three so we can watch it together <laughs> and, you know, smack on some food and have some cookies for dessert. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, it's, 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 we make it far more complicated than it has to be. It's like, no man, you can just, you can just be a, a, a cool person. You can just, you know, yeah. F- food and fuzzy blankets fix a lot of things, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, I'm pressed for time and it's my fault for letting my part of this conversation keep going as long as I wanted it to. No, I think but, it's been amazing. But to continue onto something just as cynical as Jujutsu Kaisen right now, we go to the ultimate uh, amount of cynicism possible in humanity into Bluey. Now, Brandon, <laughs> this was. <laughs> I'm so glad you did this. I didn't know if you were totally. going to fall through, but I was. Just... Oh, Brandon, like 
yeah introduces new episodes of bluey have dropped like walk us through it yeah yeah so i don't know why but they've added 10 more episodes to season three i don't know why these 10 weren't part of the original original drop in the first place but they've just recently added 10 more episodes plus one of the episodes that was banned in the u.s got re-edited to be released so there's 11 new episodes banned a bluey episode so would you like me to talk about the new episodes or explain the band situation first uh, both if we have the time okay so i'll do the band really quick because it's actually not as like destructive as it sounds um basically because this show is produced in australia there is some things that when the show goes international just isn't deemed appropriate by other countries and for us they make a lot of bathroom jokes ah okay and they say a lot of words that by our american censorship standards are not appropriate for small children like there's one episode where they say the word fart a lot they had to it got banned in the u.s it got re-edited and now everyone says fluffies okay and in particular with this episode that just got released there's uh there's a portion in the episode where bingo and bluey are just saying made up words and it just so happens that one of them was actually a culturally insensitive term in another country Ah. totally did not mean that on purpose so they had to take it down and redo the line to just some other made up sounding word yeah Yeah. there is one episode that will never be released in the united states i'm confident because it's called dad baby and in the episode that they're playing bandit is pregnant that's the game they're playing is that their dad is pregnant with a baby that is the game that they are playing it's all made up folks oh so what a horrible thing forever it's i doubt we will ever have that in the united states Unless you're on the bluey side of TikTok and then it's like totally over, up on there. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. We're getting into the nitty gritty of the bluey fandom and it's hidden black market here. I love it. Hidden uh, black market. So I'm there's ten there's ten new episodes. Judy, I'm assuming do you do your kids well, I don't know how old your kids are. So have they seen these yet? Yes. Actually, okay. um my daughter is two. Okay. She is all she almost only watches television shows that have dogs in them by her (laughs) choice not by design um but bluey is by far her favorite and mine. yes and love this show because there are times when it's just so goofy fun and there are times where it's amazing storytelling stuff that i've never seen they covered in children's small children's programming a couple of the fun ones, there is an episode called Puppets, where uh, sometimes their dad, Bandit, uses a unicorn puppet named Unicorse to teach the kids lessons. Unicorse is the most obnoxious unicorn on the planet. <laughs> and it, it helps it's teach so the kids funny. responsibility. It's so funny. It's so and funny. why do I care? Uh, <laughs> but in this episode, Unicorse learns that he's a puppet. And basically has an existential crisis. <laughs> it's so funny, but I go watch this. If your Disney Plus oh, feed man. is anything like mine, your home screen, there's a section that just has all the episodes lined up, so you can easily go find these. This episode has this really great fourth wall break meta moment at the end that it you have 10 minutes these these episodes are 10 minutes or less you have 10 minutes to sit down to get to this really good fourth wall break at the end but then there's also these episodes that have like these deep moments man there's this one it's called onesie which i think this is one of those times where the words don't translate well think footy pajamas yeah um chili their mom chili her sister shows up this is the first time as a viewer you've ever met her sister brandy and it is said in the episode that this is the first time in four years that she has been around and bingo is like five so she was like just born after um the last time the sister was around she's very i don't want to use the word awkward because that kind of has like a different meaning but she's very distant both literally having not been there for four years and also 
just like with the kids, she's kind of like, no, I should leave. I don't really feel connected. Like I, I'm making things worse. So Bluey eventually asks her mom privately, like, why does Aunt Brandy want to leave so bad? And why is she never here? And Chili explains to Bluey in a very appropriate way. And you can also pick it up through uh, subtext of other instances going on that Brandy is infertile and can't have children. And so it's very hard for her to be around Bluey and Bingo. Especially because earlier in the episode, Bingo apparently looks just like her when they were kids. Ah. So you have this amazingly heavy, like, I have never seen. And it was done so well that, like, for a child, my kid's one. He doesn't know what's going on. He just knows when the song's on. Yes. But for a child to, like, that's how it's presented. It's like, it's enough that they know something is heavy. Something is wrong. But for a parent, like my wife is in tears yeah, talking about this, you know, trying to present this like this subject that you know, is, you know, for a lot of adults, just like very they carry a lot of shame over this, even though this isn't they didn't do anything to necessarily cause this. And there's women who experience this, who just wants to be moms and then find out that they cannot biologically and they feel like they have to hide this, can't talk about it. And just to have a show that's trying to make that a more normal conversation point, like that's amazing. Well, and address it in a kid appropriate way. But, you know, I I say this all the time. The main reason I know we're running short on time. The main reason I love Bluey is because not only is it just fun for my kids to watch, but I swear there are some times where I'm like, yeah, I should Mm. say it like that. Like, I feel like it's made me a better parent in ways, you know, because I'm like, what an awesome way to frame that, you know, like as parents, it's hard sometimes to talk to our kids at their level and and feel like we're doing a good job of addressing an issue. And, you know, Bluey does that on a regular basis. Plus Mm -hmm. their car is messy as hell, just like (laughs) mine. And it's great. (laughs) I'm like, see, I the only one fries and crumbs and who knows (laughs) Yeah, I'll say I haven't watched everything, but I have my mom watches kids during the day. When I go back home, this okay. is on a screen every now and then. So I know enough about, you know, Bingo and Bluey and Bandit. And I didn't know her mom's name was Chili. So I learned that tonight. OK, good. Um, and it just seems like a very just fun, like low stake show. Like they're mm-hmm. not trying to give a moral lesson at the end of every episode. It's just like. The, the slice of life adventures of mm-hmm. these two very young dogs that any kid can look up to and just have fun watching that. And I do appreciate that. And it's like, because every generation is going to have their cartoon that you have for the youngest age and you have yeah. for the older than that age and so on and so forth. And I can definitely see like, this is their Barney or Sesame street or something like that. And I'm all for that. Yeah. Do we have time for me to plug one more or do we need to go? Go for it. One more. So the one that was the one that wrecked my wife. This is the one that wrecked me. So it's called Space. And actually, it's one of the ones where Bluey is actually only in it for like 10 seconds. They're at her kindy, her kindergarten school. And three of the boys are playing outer space. And they're trying to decide, are they going to go to Mars or go investigate a black hole? Well, two of the boys want to go investigate Mars. The other boy, Mackenzie, he wants to go investigate a black hole. And he's like adamant about it. Like, no, you guys, you guys go to Mars. You go, you leave me. You just, you just leave me. Forget about me. I have to go investigate the black hole. Just, just leave me. And they're like, you're acting weird, but okay. (laughs) So Mackenzie goes down the imaginary black hole and is, um, he's teleported to a memory from his childhood where he thought he was abandoned by his mother at a playground. Oh, and he is in this real like Jedi ghost force moment. His school teacher walks up Calypso and says to little baby Mackenzie, who thinks that he's been abandoned. You're just turned around. Your mom's right over there. And then he grows up and she addresses him as that age Mackenzie and says, you don't have to keep coming back here. Referring to like this this trauma memory. And at that moment, his two friends rush into the black hole and pull him out to save him. 
And I'm surprised I got through that. I was thinking about that earlier and I started crying and I'm surprised I got through that. Um, and the reason, <laughs> no the shame, reason why, I never, I never, uh, I never was like abandoned at the playground or anything like that. But abandonment issues is like one of those things that like, it's part of like my mental health package of struggles is just feelings of abandonment. Even at almost the age of 30, if I have a night when all of my friends, for whatever reason, happen to cancel on all on the same night, I don't hold it against them, but I, that's how I feel. Yeah. And, um, it's not so much like, Oh my gosh, I can see this being like the metaphor is really cool. I, the visuals all really great, but it's that line from the teacher of you don't have to keep coming back here yeah. of like, you don't have to keep reliving this trauma, forcing it on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for children too. That is perfectly put. Right. Yeah. Like, that's powerful. That'll preach too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Brandon, for bringing that to counterbalance my darker and edgier stuff for this. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Even though we did get some darker things too with Bluey, surprisingly enough, uh, that was very enjoyable. But I need to go to work. So, oh yeah. Uh, thank you guys for. <laughs> it's okay. I can show up whenever, but like I do need to get in at some point in time. <laughs> well, your brain cells are also fried from panels, so I say to use that as an excuse. There you go. Uh, so guys thank you for listening to this episode thank our guest hosts here they did a tremendous job tonight working with my insanity to have this all come <laughs> together and actually be coherent uh, besides what I could possibly do by myself and I'm very grateful to them for this so if you have a chance just leave us a like comment on this video as well this was a lot of fun uh, if you have a chance also go to our YouTube page subscribe there uh, like us on Facebook join that group there as well we have a Patreon too you can go to Remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.